0: Hey everyone, this is Ashley Ellenboss with Sky House Herb School and Apothecary. Today we'll be talking about alcoholism, drinking, and plant spirits. My hope for today's talk is to just bring some awareness and consciousness around the subject of alcohol consumption. I know we're heading this week in particular. Right into St. Patrick's Day, which is a big holiday, a big Irish holiday where there's often copious amounts of drinking alcohol. And we also are heading into spring and summer and times where, you know, we're likely to be a little bit more social. So today's talk is a discussion and an exploration of alcohol and drinking and why we drink and what might be behind the drinking. And then some. Unfortunately, scary statistics about alcohol. And then some of the plants that I think of as supporters on the path of that inner explorative journey, so that we can have some plant allies and partners to work with us while we are navigating our way through alcohol. And I do want to say that, you know, I'm coming from a judgment free zone. Whether you choose to drink alcohol or not is really. It's really a personal choice. and I know for a lot of people, um, you know, you've had experiences where alcohol just didn't work for you, so you maybe just decided, hey, I'm I'm I need to stop. And for others of you, um you know, maybe it was that it never really was a problem. You've been really good at being able to socially drink, drink, and then stop drinking and it's just never really been a big deal. But there, I would say probably majority of us, Find ourselves somewhere in between where we know when we are drinking responsibly. And then there are times when we are triggered, and that we, for whatever reason, reach out to the alcohol spirit to kidnap us and take us away. And it, it's often, you know, um, it can be very conscious like, I need to escape my life. I'm going to follow the spirit of alcohol down this dark alley and we're going to go on an adventure. <laughs> or it can be very unconscious where we don't even realize that we are trying to numb ourselves from something that's really challenging in our lives. And that just before we know it, um, we're completely you know, under the influence of this spirit. And I, I know I keep saying spirit, but I think this is an important distinction because with a lot of plans, I've been talking about addiction a lot because I think this is a subject that many of us are facing. And whether it's with ourselves or with a family member or a friend or a partner, substance abuse is all over. It's, you know, every country is affected by it. So it's a subject I've been exploring in a lot of my talks. You can look through my... YouTube library if you want to listen to other talks I've done on addiction to other substances. But I want to say spirit here because we even hear the word alcohol as being referred to as spirit, right? Usually it's the distilled spirit, like our hard alcohols, vodka, you know, brandy, gin, all of that are considered to be spirits. But why? Why is that? You know, We can think about the distillation process as Bringing down whatever the p- original plant material was, fermenting it, distilling it, whatever's happening to bring it into this really refined essence. But we can also think about the word spirit as something that can take over us. You know, it's like team spirit. <laughs> That's a good thing, right? Like we want to have, you know, go Vikings, right? Like whatever your team might be, to have team spirit is to be. To embody the spirit of your team, or to have you know, to be in high spirits, you know, is to have good, more optimistic outlook on things. But alcohol is a spirit, and it is not the cheerful spirit. It's not the uplifting. Let's join the team. It is a nervous system depressant. And while some of us might feel like it relaxes us and it helps us, you know, maybe we're we get a little bit more outgoing. That is because it is reducing our our um it's it's increasing our inhibitions, decreasing our inhibitions. It is increasing our ability <laughs> to not feel inhibited. We'll say it that way. So we might feel more free, open, adventurous, but really, what's happening is that our brains, our sweet little brains are being overrun by the spirit. Of the substance, and it's dulling our mind's ability to act and behave in the way we normally act and behave because it's dulling our mind, dulling our senses, um, dulling our cognition. So that's important because the spirit of alcohol, even you know, no matter what you might think it is. If you can keep it into, you know, hold it in your mind in that context, it might help you understand why it can drown people. And if you've ever known an alcoholic or been around someone who is a compulsive drinker, they cannot escape that grip. That spirit takes over them. I mean, it's almost like a person is possessed. I remember, you know, growing up in high school. And even in college, knowing that there were particular people who were who had a particular way that alcohol engaged, and they couldn't stop it. it they, some of them would become very angry. Some of them would just become loud and just completely uninhibited, and and you know uh, annoyed, <laughs> you know, like just poor judgment. Some of them would take huge risks that were just super dangerous, and everyone would be like, ah. So the spirit of alcohol dulls us and why, you know, why, why would we want that? Well, Hey, good reasons. And why have humans been imbibing alcohol since the beginning? I have some really interesting facts here about alcohol and its, its origins, the first signs show up around 7,000 BC, likely in China, but the first time that we actually see documented evidence of alcohol is a pictograph from Mesopotamia of a vessel which is likely holding beer, and that was in 3- 3,200 BC. So, you know, thousands and thousands of years humans have been imbibing alcoholic substances. And uh, what's interesting to note is that from in the beginning, it was considered to be uh, a very, it was like a food, alcohol, they made this gruel. It was like a very thick substance. You had to drink it through a straw so you didn't get the big chunks in your mouth. And it was like a meal. It was a meal replacement. It was very nutritious. And considered to be uh, inessential, and so alcohol and, and this gruel was served, you know, throughout Mesopotamia, throughout in ancient Sumeria. We also see alcohol problems showing up in ancient times, so alcoholism and alcohol related behavioral issues are nothing new. In 1720 BC, we see the first recorded instance of alcohol control. And this was in Hammurabi's code. They placed strict requirements on tavern keepers to avoid serving alcohol to criminals because they noticed that people who tended to maybe make poor decisions that were engaged in criminal behavior under the influence of alcohol acted out more poorly. So alcohol control is something that has been around for a very long time <clears throat> because being a human is hard. <laughs> being a human is is challenging. Uh, so I think from a very a, a long time ago, not only did the ancient Sumerians and the ancient... Uh, people of the different regions of China take it as a food, but they took it also as a intoxicant. This blend, whether you make it from honey or wheat or barley or whatever you use to ferment, you will have an altered mind state. And this can be helpful. Um, In ancient Greece, it was seen that they drank wine. It was considered to be rude and improper and sort of antisocial behavior if you didn't imbibe wine regularly, because it was thought that wine brings the spirits together, brings people together. And so in the ideal situation, people's shyness, their inhibitions go down and senses of merriment increases. And we can see why This can also become a problem if abused, overused, and if things like healthy social structures are taken away, if rituals are taken away, if strong moral codes and ethical conduct is taken away, but the alcohol is still there, then we're basically sort of, we're all criminals. (laughs) None of, I mean, we have maybe an overarching law but we don't have a social code by which we are all acting upon to make sure that we are in check, that others are in check, and that that the purpose of the alcohol is not to drive us into these really negative behaviors. I want to share some statistics with you about alcohol and um why i think it's an important thing for us to look at even if you don't think you have an alcohol problem just to think about statistics can help us look at what's sort of happening in the in the zeitgeist or in in the in our population and in the people around us so alcohol ranks as the most commonly used addictive substance Worldwide, um, the highest number or the highest percentage of alcoholics are found in Hungary. Then, and that's at 212 percent uh, of Hungarians are considered to have alcohol abuse problems. In Russia and Belarus, it's nineteen percent. In the United States, it's fourteen percent. So we're in the top top ten. One in twelve alcohol, um, one in twelve adults sucker, suffer. are suckers to the alcohol spirit. No, one in 12 adults suffer from alcohol abuse or dependence. The RAND Research Corporation found that Americans drink 14% more in 2020 than other years. And this was when the pandemic hit and the drinking rate for women in 2020 rose by 41%. I thought that was fascinating so i think you know definitely during the pandemic a lot of people were reaching to alcohol because we were isolated we were scared we were lonely we were you know didn't have any social outlets but look at the amount of of the increase in women and i to me that that says something um one thing that we also found or that i also found um in this research was that um yeah, that in 2023, America ra- ranks as the top is one of the top 10 countries with the highest rates of disordered alcohol in females. We're actually at, we're actually, women in the USA have more disordered drinking than women in Russia, Sweden, and the UK. So, you know, it, it, there's something, you know, I think there's a lot going on in the world, but definitely in our country there is a lot of divide there is a lot of uh social stress right now economic stress so the rate of drinking is increasing more than half of all adults have a family history of alcoholism or problem drinking so that means you know one out of two people have can look back at their family line and they've been affected by disordered drinking that's a lot that's very very high and people who use alcohol before the age of 15 are four times more likely to develop an alcohol use disorder later in life compared to those who have their first drink at the age of 20 or older. And I think back to myself, I was talking with a friend from high school about our high school that we went to in Maryland and such a high rate of drinking and young too. you know, for 12 to 14 was sort of the, I think the average age when people started drinking alcohol and, um, I we I, I can't even tell you how many friends have died and especially from cancer. and so I, I was looking at this because there was there is research on alcoholism and cancer. and I think it increases your risk of cancer by four times. So, alcohol is a carcinogen. And I was talking with my friend from high school about, you know, we just had a friend pass on Monday, a friend I hung out with that I drank with, I partied with all through high school. And he just died on Monday at 45 um, from cancer. And, you know, I can't even, I think there's been maybe four people I've known that have died from cardiovascular disease or cancer in the last few years who were. Heavy drinkers in high school, and I believe—I don't know for sure—but I believe they were still actively drinking. So we do want to take this into consideration. We do want to think about this for not only ourselves, for our friends, for our children, to really set them up for success, and to really look at—you know—it's—it's it's a legal controlled substance. So we don't often think about alcohol as. It's like well they serve it at the grocery store, you know, you can buy it at a restaurant. Well, that is true. And there is so much research now showing us that, that there's really no safe amount of alcohol that you can drink. There are some studies that show, "Oh yeah, if you have a few glasses of wine, you know, a month, then you're less likely to have certain types of cancers, maybe." But the bottom line is that physiologically, every time you drink, your body is having to process a poison. And you know, there might be a, a threshold, you know, and each person's different. So I, I'm not here to say don't drink. I'm just saying, let's look at the facts. Let's think about our own chemical situations. You know, do we have alcoholism in our family? Do we have a family history of cancer? Do we have addiction in our background? All of these things can help us make healthy choices moving forward. I wanted to talk a little bit about before we get into the plants about why we drink. And I talked about it being something that maybe we do to escape. I think for a lot of people, they drink because it's a reward. It's like a treat. You know, I made it through the hard day and I do, I find myself doing this too, not with alcohol, but, you know, I'll do it with chocolate or with, um, you know, sparkling water at the end of the day where it's like, oh my gosh, that was a crazy day. I, I got the kids through all their things. The dishes are clean. Like I just, I can't believe, I can't believe the day's over. I need a treat or I need something, right? And I think this reward behavior, I think this is something that's a... <laughs> This is a bit of a problem too, I think in our culture that we have, we're we're very, we want instant gratification, but this is something to pay attention to is why, you know, why do we want the reward? And, and there is a practice that I, I wanted to introduce to you. It might be helpful. It's been very helpful for me when looking at patterns, especially patterns that I have identified as being unhealthy. And this is a practice of just simply asking the question why so i want to drink why because i've had a really hard day and i just want to relax why because i haven't been able to relax and i really just need something why because i don't know what else to do with myself why because i'm too tired to think about what else i want why because i didn't get enough sleep last night Why? Because I was up too late doing X, Y, or Z. Why? Because I'm avoiding the stress that I'm feeling about this. Why? Because if I have to go into all of that, I might not ever come back. Why? Right? (laughs) And if I don't ever come back, then, then, then my whole family will fall apart. Why? Because I'm the controller of this family. Why? Well, maybe I'm not, and I'm just thinking I'm in control. Why? Right? keep going, keep going and if, if usually what you'll end up with if you keep down the Y trail is the root of the problem, which is for most of us trying to fill a God-sized hole with a substance or an answer rather than just saying, hey, you know what? I've got a God-sized hole that only God can fill. <laughs> and I'm not saying this to be religious. I'm just saying this to to say that for most of us, at the end of the day, what we're looking for is to feel like we're loved, to feel like everything's gonna be okay, and to know that someone's got our back, that someone's looking out for us, and that we don't have to manage everything. And for most people that suffer from addiction, some type of 12-step program is going to be probably the closest thing to an answer or a system or a formula that they're going to find. Because that God-sized hole needs other people that are looking for God too. Other people that have the same issues, that go down the same rabbit holes, that reach for the same substances. And Alcoholics Anonymous in particular is a really wonderful organization. It was founded in 1935 to support alcoholics. It was founded by a New York stockbroker and uh, a surgeon. And it was founded upon this idea that alcoholism was a malady of the mind, emotions, and body. The mind, emotions, and body. So we often think about alcoholism and we think about you know a lot of addictions as being it's a mental thing you just got to find a way to get over it or it's a chemical thing it's a chemical dependency that you need to alter your you know alter the brain chemistry uh you know but but it's not it's also an emotional problem because if our needs are not being met emotionally we're going to spin out and we're going to reach for things, whether, you know, it it might not be alcohol. It might be excess, you know, obsessive shopping It might be, um, you know, obsessive self-care, you know, that that's actually a thing where some people are actually (laughs) kind of overriding basic needs for this sort of conquest of all the self-care things. But if we really get down to the heart of it and we look to what is the, Deepest, most satisfying thing to, that I could ever figure out. It's that I'm okay, and something bigger than me is in control, and something bigger than me has got my back. And all I have to do is show up one day at a time, one moment at a time. And that's what Alcoholics Anonymous can teach us. Also, Al Anon, which is a family group. So even if you feel like, oh, well, I don't feel like I'm, you know, I don't have obsessive drinking but I've been affected by someone who drinks. That could be a a parent. It could be a spouse. It could be a best friend. It could be you're in college and it's the social senior around. There's a lot of over-drinking. Al-Anon is a support group to help you find and fill that God-sized hole uh, through your own inner work. And it's amazing how it can really support you. I've been in Al-Anon myself for three years. And- it's transformed my life. I am so much happier. <laughs> I just I I can't speak highly enough of it. So if you're if if that if you think that something like this might help you, you can just Google Al Anon groups in my area or Alcoholics Anonymous groups in my area. Try it, just show up to a meeting, see what you think. And you might find that it gives you the social and community support that you need to seek those whys, to follow that why train until you can get to the heart of of what it is for you. Each person is, you know, it's a slightly different flavor. So what is the flavor that is at the root of your own deepest need? And these groups can often help you get there. Now let's talk about some plants. I wanted to say first that I am not a physician (laughs) and I, so everything I, nothing I say is medical advice. You know, if you have chronic liver cirrhosis, if you are a chronic drinker, if you have alcoholism, you think you might be an alcoholic, you know, what I'm going to be sharing with you for herbs. Yes, please utilize this information, but please know that this is not medical advice. The first thing I can say that we can all do to support ourselves, whether we're drinking a cup or a glass of something or whether we're drinking a pint or a case of something, is that our liver is going to need support. One great simple thing we can do is start taking bitters. And there's a lot of different bitters formulas out there. Most of them are wonderful, so I'm not going to recommend specific brands, but if you can find a bitters blend that has dandelion root and burdock root in it and milk thistle, those are the three herbs that are most critical for liver support, both repairing liver damage and also supporting healthy liver function. So that would be my first thought. My first go-to is let's support the liver and help build it back as best we can. And those three herbs are going to be most important. I would say milk thistle is is best taken as a capsule. So maybe you want to take milk thistle as a tea or as a capsule, and then take maybe the dandelion and burdock as a tincture. You can also take them all as a tea. Just make sure that the milk thistle is the ground seed. That's the most important thing. Um, If you do have really chronic liver issues, or if you have hepatitis C or cirrhosis, you're going to need to take a higher dose, and I would recommend working with a clinical registered herbalist to help you find the right dose for yourself. The other thing that we need to think about when we consider the effects of alcohol is that alcohol is very hot and dry. To combat that, we'll need herbs and foods that are cooling and moistening. This means hot, foods like fried foods and spicy foods are going to be more irritating and aggravating for the person who already drinks a lot of alcohol. Or if you've been drinking alcohol or you're planning on drinking alcohol, try not to go for really heavy meat-based fried foods. Instead, go more towards salads or fresh fruits or fruit plates or things that are going to be cool and moist. Even a soup might be nice, like a, you know, chicken noodle soup or something that's not super spicy, but more on the bland side. That's going to be very, very supportive for your body and also supportive if you are trying to reduce the amount of alcohol and reduce that drying, heating effect of alcohol. Some herbs that I think are really nice for moistening the whole system. uh, My first pick would be marshmallow root. This is really easy to find. It's actually really easy to grow and harvest yourself, but you can make your own overnight infusion with dried marshmallow root. And you don't, you can't take this as a tincture because the polysaccharides, which is the mucilage you need, is not extractable in alcohol. So you'll have to make a tea. A long infusion, I think, is best to get those, to grab those polysaccharides out. And you can drink that daily. Um, there's another herb that is really nice, which is Solomon seal. And so if you find that you have joint issues, joint inflammation, or any sort of autoimmune issue with lots of inflammation, Solomon seal is a wonderful plant that you can take as a tincture, which will help really feed the joints, feed the mucosa soften and cool down the entire system. And as a result, your nervous system will also get relaxed. And that brings us to the last group of herbs, which I think would be really wonderful, are nervines. I wouldn't recommend nervines that are going to really make you kind of, they're going to be euphoric, right? But more ones that are going to be a little bit bitter, and very gently soothing. My favorite ones are Passion Flower. Passion Flower is probably my top herb for people that are dealing with alcohol-based insomnia, um, alcohol in, you know, induced anxiety and depression. It works really well. So does skull cap as a nervine. So you may want to try those to help support your nervous system from withdrawal or even just. To help support your nervous system between periods of drinking, um, to maybe even help you stop drinking. Now, what about herbs to kind of help you not drink <laughs> um, if you're finding that you're really feeling like you're over, you know, getting getting pulled into alcohol more than you want to there are a few plants whose spirits are very strong and very convincing. The first one is acharus calamus. And this is an Ayurvedic herb. You can read more about it in this book, The Yoga of Herbs. Uh, this is a great book by Dr. David Frawley and Dr. Vasant Ladd, And they talk about Acaris calamus, also known as sweet flag, as being a Rasayana rejuvenative for the brain. It's very sattvic, so it's considered to be very pure and very balanced and very light promoting inside the body and the mind. What I really like about this plant is that it heats up the digestive system. And it really, I mean, I remember when I was in Ohio, when I was in herb school. I harvested acorus. It's like this tall grass that grows in the gullies. And so you have to dig this big, fat, bulbous white root out from deep in the mud. And you peel it away and it's just pure white. It's like how did that thing, how is that thing in the mud? You know, it's like a lotus almost, like an inverted lotus, where the white beautiful part is actually in the mud. Uh, and we tinctured it and we made the most amazing tincture. And I every time I would take it, it's very bitter, it's acrid, and I would just feel the heat of it just moving to every corner of my body. And what they believe in Ayurveda this does is that it clears toxins and stagnation and trauma from the subtle channels of the body, and you can feel it. It's also really good for meditation, so if you're looking for a plant where you just are looking for insight, you're really struggling with alcohol, and you just want some help, and you maybe want a plant spirit that can sit with you and help bring energy to your mind, to help you think through, maybe plan out some next steps to receive some intuitive guidance. Uh, this plant is, they say, uh, in Ayurveda the the Indian name is Vacha, which means speaking. And so this is the power of the word. It gives intelligence and self expression. And sometimes when we are have that com, that com, uh, we feel that that um, compulsion to drink. It's like we're trying to express something. We're trying to to express a need or a desire. And this plant helps us express and find that, find that word, find the voice without the alcohol. It just helps it, it just happens on its own. So try that plant. Acaris calamus, I'll include a, a link or some information in the description if you wanna look that up. Also, you may want to consider um, a wood betony is another plant that's really good for alcoholism, especially if, if alcoholism for you, you just feel like you're kind of out of your body. If you if you use alcohol to kind of feel your body and feel rooted and grounded, because most of the time you feel like you're just flying off in other places, then wood betony or betonica would be a really good herb for you. It's a really old herb. It's one, one that we used to use a lot in Western herbalism, but it sort of fell off the apothecary shelf for whatever reason. It's very, very useful for nervous system issues, anxiety, tension, flightiness, uh, memory problems, and especially for bringing sort of the mind and the gut together so if you're if you just feel like you're disconnected from your solar plexus or your gut and you feel unrooted try using that as a tincture or a tea it's very pleasant it's very herby <laughs> makes a very herby tea and it's super gentle and that might be one that you can try as well to bring you down into that rooted rooted space I hope this has been helpful if you've made it all the way to the end. <laughs> maybe there's a full a few nuggets that you can take away to think about as you move towards St. Patrick's Day, if you celebrate or will be celebrating or just moving, moving on with life and moving alongside the spirit of alcoholism in – or the spirit of alcohol, I should say, uh, in our culture and the spirit of alcoholism, which is everywhere too – what spirit do we want to befriend, right? If you can stay connected to your spirit and not lose your spirit under the influence of alcohol, then you've found a good balance. Once you've lost your spirit, once you have disconnected from your center, then the alcohol spirit is driving the boat. That is, That has consequences. So f- try to think about that explore what is your happy medium what types of spirits do best with you you might notice i don't do well with beer i do really well with gin right that's a spirit it's a it's a you know spirit of juniper and plants maybe that's a spirit that you feel like grounds you helps you supports you and it doesn't pull you outside of yourself or for me i really like tequila <laughs> one would think that that would be uh, very ungrounding but in my body um i don't drink much and um you know when i when i do rarely um for me just a little bit of that particular spirit you know even half just a little bit i like it it's playful it's fun but i but i but it, i also know it enough to know that I, I to play with it. I have to stay in my body. I have to be present to it, and I have to know, um, you know, when, when my body, you know, when I'm starting to shift out of of relationship with myself, right? And that's, I think, that's hopefully my takeaway for you is, watch that place, watch yourself, be a good observer of yourself with alcohol, and if you're finding that you really can't do that find support. There are so many wonderful programs and resources out there. I'll include all of them in the descriptions so that you can find a group near you if that would be helpful. Thank you for listening. Thank you for even pondering and considering this way of looking at alcohol and thinking about alcoholism And if you have any questions or if you have any comments or anything else to share, please do leave it in the comments. I'd love to hear your comments. Please also subscribe if you haven't and like this video if it was helpful. All right, everyone. Till next time. Bye.